How's it going, guys? We're here with the 44th episode of Fear Frequency, and for our new listeners, it's a weekly horror podcast where me and George round up the latest horror news and review a movie or two. I'm your host, Jimmy Champagne. And I'm George Fazard. And if you're a new listener, we would really appreciate it if you gave us a review on iTunes. And remember, you can always email us at fearfrequencypodcast at gmail.com, and uh, we'll read your message on the show. And this week, we actually have a fan email from Duke who says... I heard you guys covered Triangle 2009 last week. Just curious if you guys have seen Coherence 2013. If not, it's on Shudder. I highly recommend it. Also wondering if you guys play Xbox. I have both, but my go-to system is Xbox, by the way. You guys are amongst the top of my go-to horror podcasts I listen to, along with Modern Horror, Shockwaves, and so on. I also like that you guys cover video games. Thanks, Duke. So thank you, Duke. All right, let's tackle that in order. So first up. I have not seen that movie, but I will check it out. <laughs> have you seen it? No, I haven't seen Coherence, but uh, it's highly recommended, so I hear. Okay, cool. I'll check it out. <laughs> Maybe we'll do an episode about it if there's a dull week. Probably later in the year, around November or something. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And then next, we both have PlayStation and Xbox. It's wild. We, we both have all three. We have like a PC, a PlayStation, and an Xbox, which is cool. Mm-hmm. We're privileged. And then, we also like the Modern Horrors podcast, even though they've been on hiatus for some reason. <laughs> and come on, guys, bring it back. And then we also like Shockwaves. So thank you for the awesome email. Yeah, thank you, Duke. And everyone remember, we need some iTunes reviews because we'll read them on the show. But anyways, we're coming at you live this week from Ipswich, Oregon. We have some news stories about the Slice premiere, details on Scream Factory's Trick or Treat re-release, some Quiet Place sequel news, and a review of Summer of 84 for you guys. But before we get into that, I'm getting an incoming transmission from Haddonfield, Illinois. It sounds like Dr. Loomis is dying again, which means we have a Halloween alert. So first up on here, George, the biggest news we'll start with is that there's a new poster, yep. and that's it. <laughs> just kidding trailer two's coming tomorrow well technically today uh, i guess yeah well no i'm gonna post this tonight all right well I- i'm gonna do a hard edit on it dude <laughs> i'm gonna put my nose to the grindstone <laughs> but that's definitely not the phrase but yeah the trailer's coming tomorrow jamie lee curtis announced it with a tweet and there's a new poster with michael emerging from the shadows and it's half of jamie lee curtis's face i don't really like the poster i'm just gonna throw it out there i think it looks kind of cheap but <laughs> i am excited for trailer two after what like two and a half yeah, months two and a half months of uh being able to hear about it at the what convention was it at comic con yeah, comic con and like a long time ago <laughs> and now we might we're finally getting hopefully the same trailer or maybe a, or maybe a new one coming tomorrow I feel like I've aged since I've heard about this trailer. <laughs> like, I feel like I've matured as a human being, which is weird. It's a weird feeling because I know everything that happens in this trailer. Well, we've had so a I'd few... So i just really like to see it. A few false positives with this one. We've had a couple uh, Ryan Turk tweets that seemed like the trailer was coming a couple weeks ago. He was like, oh, no, I tweet pumpkins for Halloween, and I just tweet knives for fun. It's like, <laughs> okay, thanks for clarifying. <laughs> So we obviously had a couple a couple of false alarms where we thought we might be getting something, but now it's official from Jamie Lee Curtis that we're getting a trailer uh, tomorrow. Yeah, the tweet says same conflict, new trailer or something. It's like, I don't know what that means, but the new tagline for the movie is Face Your Fate, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, it's interesting, especially um, considering 
the whole good versus evil of Jamie versus Michael, of, like, it's her fate to finally face off against Michael Myers. Yeah, totally. And then next up on here, Fright Rags released their awesome designs for the Halloween shirts, and this year it's going to be a mix of old Halloween and new. Halloween original and the new Halloween. And there's there's some good ones. There's, of course, the one that's the Halloween SDCC poster. Looks pretty sweet. That's a good art to have on a shirt. They've got one that's kind of like a hand-drawn looking poster that would match basically every other Halloween shirt he's ever done. There's one of just the poster. Um, then there's a glow-in-the-dark one of Jamie Lee Curtis when she's from 1978. And then there's a cool new stylized art one for the original Halloween. Yeah, uh, these are definitely some really cool designs. Uh, personally, my favorite is the glow-in-the-dark one, but uh, these are really cool, and I'm definitely going to pick up at least one or two when these drop. Yeah, um, I'm excited. I really just want some new Halloween shirts because my baseball tee is really all I have. I have this one that I got for $10 on like Tea Fury back in 2015 <laughs> that I still wear, but I'd like to expand the wardrobe a little bit. Yeah, more than just the one. Yeah, so you can actually pre-order these tomorrow on Wednesday, and they'll ship by October, I guess. So you'll have them for the premiere of Halloween. Nice. Which is cool. Yeah, I'm definitely going to try to put a pre-order in tomorrow, try to get at least one of these bad boys. Yep, and then Bloody Disgusting posted this article about how one line from Halloween 1978 inspired this new movie. And David Gordon Green had an interview with the Los Angeles Times where he said, Laurie Strode has a line in the original film when she's talking to young Tommy Doyle at the climax of the movie. She says, do as I say. And she says this line with a command that she hasn't had for the entire film. Do as I say. He continued, we took that to be her mantra for our film. She's taken that pivotal moment in her life and her recognition of facing her fears. And now she has been chanting that in meditations for 40 years she's reached a point of a perceived almost psychosis of authority and built from this ambitious kind of romanticized academic schoolgirl into a woman that you won't want to mess with and that sounds kind of cool yeah um I, i mean we've definitely seen this new kind of style of jamie in the um the first trailers where you see her kind of militarized with uh like the whole house being booby trapped and guns and being prepared for michael shooting target practice you can tell that uh, she's been gearing up for this for a while and she's not going to go down quietly yeah without a fight at all so hopefully we get to see more of a glimpse of that in the trailer but i just thought that was a cool little thing and then next comicbook.com had an interview with nick castle i guess he's making the rounds for the blu-ray of the original movie that 4k release that's coming out Uh So people are obviously just asking him about the new movie. Obviously. (laughs) And he said that his only reason for being on set was to kind of demystify the directing experience for him. He said, because John Carpenter was a pal, they were shooting the majority of this near my house, really. And he said, well, why don't you just be the guy walking around in the mask and you'll be here the whole time? And then um, he also commented on how Tony Moran, we talked about this, how Tony Moran wore the mask or unmasked Tony Moran was the unmasked Michael Myers in the original movie. And he said, for that matter, I assume what they were doing is trying to, on some level, match the little kid look that was unmasked at the beginning. And so I look nothing like him. And he said, otherwise, it's a mystery to me. Maybe I was just too handsome. That's it. I was just too handsome. 
And then he confirmed that something else that we've already known for a while, that he does all the ADR breathing for the shape in the movie, even though he's only in, like, one scene. Yeah. Which is actually the one where it's the first time Laurie sees Michael with the mask on. That's uh, Nick Castle. That's cool. That's a nice little... uh definitely a nice moment to see the original michael stature looking at at uh laurie strode for the first time in 40 years yeah i hope it's cool because i just watched h20 again for my review and they totally botched the reunion between michael and laurie like he just shows up in that weird window and she's like ah yeah it's like okay and they fuck it up because they have another one where she sees him walking towards her and she like closes her eyes and he's still there. I think that would have been the perfect way right, for that's the, her to realize. The fake out with her boyfriend who's walking towards her and not Michael. Yeah, it's like, okay. <laughs> why? Like, why? That movie is so full of just cheap fake jump scares that don't play into the plot at all. It's so dumb. It feels like a modern movie. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of um, unnecessary like jump scares and there's a lot of build up where... Like, the first act of that movie just feels like they didn't want to spend any money on kills or special effects. They just kind of wanted to save whatever money they had for, like, the third act. Dude, it to- it's, the movie just drags. It just drags so much <laughs> for the first half. And then the second half is, like, over so quick. It's like, what's going on? Yeah, the confrontation but, does really start and end pretty quickly. Yeah, but she kicks the shit out of him, which I really like. Yeah, she doesn't definitely does not pull any punches. Yeah, it's awesome. So that's all we have for the Halloween alert this week. So now we're going to get into segment one. And the first thing I was able to find was that the art for Castlevania Season 2 came out, and it's pretty damn cool. It's just like a key art poster, but it's definitely reminiscent of Symphony of the Night. The castle is just awesome. And I am really excited for this show to come back. And it's going to have eight episodes this time instead of four. Yeah. Um, I feel like the first season um, was kind of incomplete since these were supposedly supposed to be, like, basically a two-part, supposed to be a movie, but they split them up. And, right. Uh, so the season one ends basically right before the big confrontation starts. So it, it's definitely a huge cliffhanger and feels very incomplete. So... Uh, I'm excited that this one has some more episodes and we get to see Alucard in action. Yeah, and that comes out October 26th, so I will definitely be binging this right before Halloween. This is like the perfect length. You know, it's not like a whole season like Stranger Things was last year. This is like an eight-episode, half-hour show. So that's going to be cool. Like, I can definitely sit down for four hours. Yeah, I definitely sit through and just kind of uh, run through the second season. And it'll definitely be right at home on October 26th with all the gothic imagery and vampires it's just definitely a cool vibe for october yeah it's coming out the same day as chilling adventures of sabrina which is kind of weird big day for netflix because they're both netflix yeah <laughs> yeah hopefully they're both good because i don't know we, we both lost faith in netflix over the past few months so hopefully these are like returns to form for them in horror yeah i mean i feel like mm, a lot of their horror content has been okay not i mean without the two big movies that they released i I don't know if like mm-hmm. any horror show they've made has been really that bad but um, no we'll find out though with that uh house on or haunting on yeah, Hill house one yep that still doesn't look very good to me and they haven't released a trailer and it's out next month yeah that's a little uh a little worrying but uh <laughs> well, we'll we'll just have to see i am definitely excited for uh next season of 
Castlevania, though. I thought that the animation style and the like tone of the first season were great. I, I did, too. I thought it was possibly the best video game adaption ever, right? Yeah. There's not really that many that are good. Yeah, I mean, I would say it's definitely up there, if not the best. I would really like Netflix to bring Dead Space back in the same way. Yeah, like you know... With a really cool animated show like that. Yeah, because they had those at least one or two movies that were all animated with like a pretty high yeah. budget, pretty good production value. And I don't know, I think people would be willing to watch that again. I think Isaac uh, is a cool enough character where they can bring him back and people would definitely watch that. It's just a sick universe. Just everything that happens and I want to know more of when I play the game. So it'd be cool to bring that back as a show, in my opinion. Yeah, I But agree. maybe they will. Those, uh, the guy who wrote, writes Castlevania, Warren Ellis, he wrote Dead Space, the game. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. So, I mean, I'd say there's about... I'd say there's a better chance of a Dead Space animated show coming to Netflix than there is of Konami making a new Castlevania game. <laughs> I mean, you're probably <laughs> right at this point. <laughs> I think that's a fair statement. But moving on here, A Quiet Place, we already talked about how it's going to have a sequel earlier this year, mm-hmm. but it already is dated for May 15th, 2020. And that's a little that's a little far in the future, isn't it? Like you know, it seems really early to date a movie like that, but hey, I guess they're moving forward with it. I can't think of a movie... Yeah, I can't think of a movie that needs a sequel less than A Quiet Place. It's pretty open and shut. It's a pretty good movie on its own. I don't I don't need to see that world expanded, I don't think. I mean, the only but, thing I can think of would be if it's like an anthology series right. and the sequel... Maybe doesn't do the same universe, but is in a similar tone where it's like another situation. I don't know. I mean, I think the gimmick of the first one of it, like being extremely quiet the entire time, works for that movie. And I don't know if keeping the gimmick and changing the creature and the characters would be kind of tasteless, and if that would kind of ruin the first one I, or if that'd be i think there's definitely decent. stories you can tell like you could do army guy stories or like make it a prequel where the earth is falling or whatever i don't know there's stories you could tell in it i just don't really want to see them <laughs> that's pretty much where i'm at i i mean the thing is um in, in this they say that krasinski is involved with it and they're trying to get the story right and everything and Like, I'd like to see more stories from Krasinski, because he did a really good job with this movie, but I don't think that means I want to see a sequel to this movie. I think that... Wouldn't you like the same team to just get back together and make a new original idea? Yeah, 100%. That would be much better, (laughs) in my opinion. (laughs) That's, that's like, that seems like the way to go with it, but they're adamant on just replicating success with a sequel, which is kind of just annoying. It's emblematic of everything wrong with the movie industry right now. And I know there's a lot of horror fans out there who just can't handle hearing anything negative about the genre. But more is not always good, you know? Just the idea of more is not always good. But Right, especially in a, really... in a world like this where it's a completely self-contained story with no sense of there being like it being open-ended for any kind of sequel. or I mean, you know everything you need to know about the world throughout the storytelling of the movie and you know where it ends how it ends and what's going on next so you don't really need it kind of reminds me of like jaws you know where jaws definitely 
didn't need a sequel. There really wasn't room for a sequel in the Jaws universe. But right, they got but it just made so much money that they wanted to cash in on it again. Yeah, Jaws or Poltergeist, but E.T. was able to stand on its own, never really come back. Yeah, somehow, kind of somehow crazy. Spielberg was able to put the boots to whatever E.T. sequel that was most likely planned at the time. Yeah, you'd think that would have gotten one, but hey, sometimes you're surprised. <laughs> Next up on here, I'm reconsidering my taking a stance against buying the trick-or-treat Scream Factory Blu-ray oh, yeah? because it's not 4K. <laughs> because um, Bloody Disgusting put out an article with all the extras that come with this thing, and they're all pretty they're sweet, you know, past the cool new box art. So there's a lot of new stuff that hasn't been on the original Blu-ray, like a two, 2K scan of the original film elements supervised and approved by the director Michael Dougherty, there's tales of folklore and fright, creating trick or treat. New interviews with the writer director, conceptual artist Breen, Breen Burns, Breen Burns, and storyboard artist Simon Wilkins. <laughs> Close enough. Yeah. Then there's another one, another extra called Tales of Mischief and Mayhem, filming trick or treat. In-depth interview with Michael Dougherty on making of the film. Then there's one that's uh, an interview with him and the composer. Then there's an interview with him and the writer? What? Rob Galuzzo did not write that movie. <laughs> uh, did he? I don't know. I need to look this up. <laughs> uh, so Rob Galuzzo, for those of you who don't know, he worked at Blumhouse for a while. He, you know, did their... He ran their blog site. Um... And then he also is the creator of Shockwaves. And now he works over at Epic Pictures with our friend uh, John Barkin. He's the acquisitions guy over there for their thing. No, I don't think he wrote it. I think this just is calling him a writer. Yeah, it might just be general. with writer Rob Galoza. That just, I was like, what? How the hell? <laughs> I didn't think he wrote that. But uh, there's a new 2K scan of the original 16mm Elements, a short film by Michael Dougherty with optional commentary by him. Then there's a new storyboard and conceptual artwork gallery. There's new behind the scenes still gallery. There's a monster mash story from the graphic novel which is new. There's uh, the Fearnet shorts which were awesome. They were all new little vignettes about Sam which I really liked. You can find them on YouTube but they're including them on this Blu-ray. And then you get all the old stuff which is all awesome. There's just so much stuff. It's crazy. Yeah, there's a ton of new features on this. So if you're someone who really likes to dig into all the extra commentaries making of it seems like there's hours of new <laughs> new things to dig through and this is definitely i wish i could just buy that disc yeah. as like an add-on for the one i already own <laughs> i mean it's it's crazy how much extra content they're packing in with this one and i i mean i think this movie just alone is a must watch every october uh so it, it'll definitely be interesting to see what some of these other bonus features are like it's a really special movie. You know, it stands the test of time. Every year I watch it, and I'm like, is this the year when Trick or Treat is no longer going to feel, like, really good and magical? <laughs> but no, it's it's great every year. It holds up just so well. I think it's a classic, a modern classic. And I can't believe it never got released in theaters. It was just, like, shoved out into DVD. Yeah, I mean, that's crazy for, like, a VOD release, or, I guess, straight to DVD before VOD was a thing. I mean... So weird. It, it's weird to think that this, like, obscure D DVD release has become uh, an absolute October classic that 
I'm sure many, many people watch every year as part of their annual tradition, and it's uh, it's definitely a very special movie. It's a great anthology, and it's just... Everything about it is just so in tune with the whole October feel. I love it. Yeah, this Satan's Little Helper and <laughs> The House is October Built yeah. are three movies you can't go wrong with on Halloween. Always got to watch those every October. Especially Satan's Little Helper. Especially. You have to buy the DVD on Amazon in a triple pack. Yeah, um, I don't know. I really like Trick or Treat. I just, I can't believe that movie never really got a fair shake in theaters. But hopefully after Godzilla, King of Monsters, he can come back and, uh, you know, make a sequel to it or something. Because I feel like it totally deserves a sequel. I mean, it would just be cool to see a new anthology with those same not even the same universe, which is that same kind of feel where, you know, it it did a really good job of being an anthology series where all these short stories were happening, but it also connected all the universes in, like, a very seamless and uh, interesting way where the stories just kind of bled right into one another and you could see exactly how all the pieces fit together. And that right. is kind of unmatched in most uh, anthology series. Yeah, it's, it's in a league of its own, really, with uh, the anthology stuff. You know, like, VHS and VHS 2 are great. You know, we like those a lot, mm-hmm. but they're not really comparable to Trick or Treat. They're different. No, it, it just... Trick or Treat's awesome. Yeah, I mean, Trick or Treat just has a better sense of having these small stories that fit together in this big puzzle in this little haunted universe that I think is just really cool and unique. I agree. So next up here, David Cronenberg is coming back and creating his own TV series. Uh, Variety reported it because he won a Lifetime Achievement Award at the Venice Film Festival, and he revealed there that he's working on a personal TV project, and he said he can't talk about it yet, though. I also found out, though, interestingly, that he turned down being the showrunner on True Detective Season 2 because he didn't like the script. So it feels like he dodged a bullet there. Yeah, because no one, no no one, one really, really likes the that. script for that, for that season. And uh, he had this comment where he said, Today, TV screens are getting bigger and bigger, and therefore the difference between theater and domestic viewing has become really flimsy. Uh, He also noted that this is reflected in the visual language of directors that they're now using. He said, The rule used to be that close-up shots were really only done for TV, but today that's no longer the case. So, I don't know. David Cronenberg is just... He's a really smart, cool filmmaker that kind of went away for a while and he was afraid i remember that if he made movies they wouldn't be accepted as well anymore but uh-huh. i'm glad that he's kind of dipping his toe back into making film yeah even I, if it is a tv series yeah i mean he was definitely pretty prolific in like his earlier years before he took a break i mean some of his movies like the fly and rabbit are just like incredible so rabbit is awesome i'm so i i loved that i just i rewatched over the weekend the joe bob one yeah that is it's a really such a good movie. It's just a really cool movie, and I'm happy to see him kind of get back into the craft a little bit. I mean, it seems like if he was to pick, you know, he's doing a project. It seems like it's something that is actually uh, something that he'd be interested in, and that he has a big, heavy hand in kind of shaping. So, right, that's obviously a good sign since he is such a prolific director. So, and it's not like he's that old. Like he's an older guy. But I thought he was dead for a while, <laughs> just because you haven't we haven't heard anything about right. him. So I just assumed that he died because it's like why wouldn't this guy continue making movies? You know he could. 
I feel like he just writes a blank check with his name. Yeah. But um, Beyond Fest this year, that festival I go to at the Egyptian Theater, they're doing something different this year where they're having, it's a Cronenberg Fest, and I guess he's going to be there for some of the screenings, but the way they sold their tickets was like not good online, and it, they sold out really fast, like in less than a minute, uh-huh. and scalpers got them, and they put out a big apology and everything, so safe to say I will not be there, but I will definitely be watching uh, David Cronenberg's TV series, whatever it is, whenever it comes out. Yeah, not not a lot of details, obviously, since he said he can't really talk about it, but um, whatever it is, I'm excited for it, and I'll have to, hopefully it's not on some obscure network that I have to buy a subscription service to see. Yeah, <laughs> seriously, <laughs> I'm so sick of those. I just, uh, I watched The Mummy over the weekend, the 1999 one. The Brendan Fraser classic? Yeah, dude. He's awesome. I love him. <laughs> but uh, Amazon le- like let me get a seven-day trial for HBO. Uh-huh. So I activated that so I wouldn't have to pay for the movie. And I'm going to watch Sharp Objects. I'm going to binge it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I'm like, oh, I got this HBO thing for a week. I got to binge Sharp Objects. Yeah, I've heard uh, great things about that. I haven't gotten a chance to sit down and watch it yet. I've mostly been watching a uh, new season of Ozarks, but... Um, yeah, I'm trying to get through that, but I'm also trying to savor it because I love that show. Yeah, it is very good. And this season so far seems to be a little bit better, even, somehow. <laughs> yeah. kind of crazy. <laughs> I, they fixed characters I didn't like, which is cool and all that, so uh, I don't know. It's it's weird how you have to pay for so many different services now. Like, everyone thought they were so cool and they were cutting cable, but really, it's, it's like you just end up paying the same amount at the end of the day. I mean, not, now it's like as expensive to get like a stars and hbo and netflix and hulu and everything right (laughs) at this point it's like as expensive if not more to get all these streaming services as it used to be for just cable yep it's really weird but shutter's (laughs) killing it yeah they just got uh they got channel zero season one and two on there so if you guys haven't seen either of those i highly recommend them both yeah and i'm sure they'll get three at some point yeah i think they're probably just kind of waiting to see how it does or um maybe sci-fi has like uh some kind of licensing hold on them for x amount of months or something but i'm sure it'll probably come to uh shutter within the next couple months yeah i'm curious if and when fear fest will happen this year because i noticed that the fear fest twitter was gone and amc owns shutter so you, maybe they'll just say hey if you want some great horror programming just subscribe to shutter for five dollars Honestly, I'd love it if they just front-loaded Shudder with, like, all the old-school Fear Fest movies where they just put, like, Child's Play and Friday the 13th and the old Halloweens and, you know, they just kind of did everything that they used to pay for for cable but just kind of throw them all on Shudder for maybe a limited time if it's really expensive or something and just kind of let people binge them that way or maybe have, uh, like, a version of Shudder TV that's fear fest for the month or something i think that'd be really cool yeah that's that seems like the best way to do it because the people who are gonna watch fear fest probably already subscribe to shutter you know like if you still have cable and you still make a point to watch fear fest every year you probably have shutter and then you don't have to deal with the like week-long walking dead marathons and shit yeah that stuff that no one really cares about (laughs) anymore but they they have every movie on Shutter, so it's it. It would seem like a waste of resources to, uh, you know, have a whole Fear Fest. But I think they're doing something with Eli Roth where he's like interviewing a bunch of 
really high profile filmmakers. I think John Carpenter was one of them. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. It's just a weird thing to do that that would feel so at home on Shutter because they've already seen what happens when they have big special events with the Joe Bob thing. It breaks their entire app. So if they have Eli Roth interviewing all these creators, which still feels like a whole scam for him to like take notes. <laughs> <laughs> he's like fucking sitting there taking notes on all this shit like he oh, like yeah, has yeah. a strip yeah. and he's gonna have all of them take a look at it and be like so what do you think of this <laughs> what do you think of this yeah. he's like could you critique the script and tell me what's wrong with it please <laughs> not to like punch it's not even punching down eli roth's rich yeah he has makes a ton of money and has a billion movies so it's not even punching down but like he's gonna be in the room with all these high profile people you know maybe you should take some notes yeah maybe you should uh, <laughs> absorb a little bit yeah, right. But I don't know. Fear Fest is kind of it's it feels like it gets shorter and shorter every year. But like that can't be the case because we're 25 and it feels like it's gotten shorter and shorter, but eventually it would have only been a day, you know? Well, uh I think there def it used to be the whole month and then I think there was a point where they made the Walking Dead the walking dead was like so huge that they started giving more time to the walking dead and less time to movies because they own the rights to everything walking dead and not you know they probably have to pay whatever the other companies are to use the whatever the horror movies are so they just kind of siphoned out more and more of those to keep uh the most of the revenue but yep i don't know i mean that's it's definitely not what it used to be yeah I don't know. I st- not to go off on another tangent, but I started Slasher after we talked about it because mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, if Netflix bought this. It must be like okay at least." Yeah, it is so bad. <laughs> at least season one, it is just maybe bad. just start with the second season. I don't know. I didn't check that out because <laughs> I was so turned off by the first season. So maybe, guys, I would say go with uh, Channel Zero if you're looking for a horror anthology show. Yeah, that is that show has surprisingly high production values and great effects. Right. So next up here, we have some mildly disappointing but also interesting news, I would say. So we talked about a couple weeks ago A24's new movie Slice that stars Chance the Rapper and, uh, what's his name, Joe Keery mm-hmm. from Stranger Things and a bunch of other cool people. But... It turns out that the movie is only going to be in theaters for one night. So if you want to get tickets for it, it's going to be September 10th, and you go to slice.movie, that's the address, and you can buy tickets. But it's literally one night, one screening. Yeah. That's at the exact same time, it looks like. It's really... Across the country. Really weird. <laughs> right? Um, I don't know exactly what the thought processes behind this of just doing one screening of one night only for this i don't know if they're trying to are they not confident in it i don't know if it's lack of confidence or if this is them trying to gauge uh like how many people will go and see it what yeah what the general response is to the movie kind of if they have something that they really want to make a big push for on vod or maybe do a wide release if it if all the shows sell out and it's a huge hit with everybody who saw it, I don't know if they're just not sure if it's, I mean, maybe it's like in, uh, into the silver Lake style where they put it out at festivals. Everybody loves it. And then they're like, yeah, let's just throw it back like nine months so that we can hype it up a bit more. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. I mean, if you guys don't remember, like the plot is that 
the perfect pizza place is built on top of a gateway to hell and pizza delivery men and women are being hunted uh it's it looks cheesy and kind of goofy i will say that the trailer's editing was kind of choppy it didn't feel too good but this just feels like a really weird move to me yeah i i mean it definitely doesn't make me super confident going into it but i did buy a ticket for a screening and i'm going to be seeing it on on monday so uh well i'll have at least my hot take on it next episode yeah our plan for next week is the reason i can't go see it i'd really like to but i'm seeing the predator i got into an early screening that just happens to be at the exact same time as this which is like infuriating especially if the predator is bad I'm going to be pissed <laughs> that I missed the one screening of this for it. Not that I'm expecting it to be bad, because the third trailer came out the other day, and it's pretty damn good yeah, for The Predator. Definitely, A lot of gore, if you guys haven't seen it. Yeah. I think it, it has a really good track under it. It highlights the humor in a much better way. That movie's been looking better and better as the trailers came out. Like, the first one came out, and I almost wrote it off completely, because I was like, that looks terrible. Yeah. And the second trailer came out, and I was like, all right, that looks... We both did. That looks okay. And then the third trailer comes out, I'm like, all right, this is pretty sweet. I'm, I'm pretty excited for it now. <laughs> yeah, it... I don't know what happened, but they fixed something in the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> There's a ton of gore. There's, like, so much gore. It's awesome. It's the bloodiest trailer I've seen in a long time. Like, you see full-on bodies getting ripped in half. You see... A chain with knives on it gets shot through a dude's chest. Yeah. Like, they were like, fuck it. We're just going to open the floodgates on this one. They're, you see the dogs and the dogs yeah, actually look pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, you can you can tell they're really trying to show that this isn't a PG-13 Predator movie. This is a full, <laughs> this is the full real deal. This is going to be <laughs> quite the, at least, spectacle. Yeah, it's just weird, dude. I'm excited, though. Yeah, me too. Uh, but I am seeing The Nun tomorrow. And I gotta say, I'm very, I'm much more excited for that at this point. The Nun is projected. Here's my next news story. Getting back on track, The Nun is projected to earn 40 million this weekend, which would make it the highest-grossing Conjuring universe movie. Isn't that kind of interesting? Yeah, I mean, I think those movies. Um, I, I think maybe the first Conjuring is still the best in the Conjuring universe. I don't know. I honestly, I think I like two more. It's a, it's really tough for me to choose between one and two, but I, yeah, because two, uh, one's American. It's like an American '70s set horror movie that has a ton of charm. But two, I th- is bigger in almost every way. But it's, it doesn't really screw anything up. Right. Um. It, it's definitely a, a tough toss up. But I think these movies have, at least at this point, uh, Annabelle excluded, set <laughs> a pretty decent bar of quality. Of, get in the corner annabelle <laughs> i mean they, they at least they redeemed it with the sequel being pretty damn good like yeah the sequel is not like they made an animal movie that was pretty bad and then they were like yep never gonna touch that again <laughs> at least they came back and were like all right how do we fix this and made something that was pretty good so it seems like they know you, you know everything has a at least certain level of polish and quality and good scares and atmosphere that people kind of know what to expect at this point and mm-hmm. so I think... And people are excited. Yeah. So I think a lot of hype is built up around The Nun since people know, you know, now that they're, what, four movies deep, that they can make a pretty good <laughs> something horror like that. movie. I, yeah, I'm excited for The Nun in a way I wasn't excited. I, was, I wasn't... I mean, like, I was excited for Annabelle Creation, 
but I wasn't over the moon about it until I actually saw it. Mm-hmm. But The Nun, I have this weird relationship with it where I saw it being made and I was impressed. And I like the restraint they're showing in all the trailers and the marketing. So that makes me even more excited. And then now it's finally coming out. And it's like it's like when a really good game comes. It's like when Doom came out, the original Doom, where they were working on it forever. And by the time it came out, they hadn't really released any trailers. And you had no idea what it was actually going to be. And then you get your hands on it. And it's just so much better than you could ever imagine. Right. I hope that's what this is. Yeah. Um, obviously, the embargo isn't lifted. So we don't know any real first impressions on it but uh my expectations are pretty high for it yep so next up here uh i have a story for you about ash versus evil dead so this is getting a complete box set despite the fact that they just released the third season on blu-ray would have really liked to have known this (laughs) but uh it's coming out full box set 45 bucks pretty bad cover it's just a weird end for this show man it just sucks I mean, that's a good price though 45 bucks yeah, for yeah, 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 three yeah, yeah. seasons i mean it's definitely not uh too expensive or anything and i i, mean, I don't know i think if people never popped on to the show like the <laughs> the viewing numbers suggested then maybe now is the right <laughs> time to watch it and kind of see what you missed but yeah or if you're in the massive group of people who hopped off yeah and didn't watch season three now now you can get the whole series and watch it from start to finish. Yeah, I mean, it, that def- that show definitely is a weird foothold in horror television because it's like something, it's an idea that really should have worked because it's a show based on a beloved franchise with the main actor of the show who's like hasn't missed a beat and is still as good as he ever was kind of expanding the mythos of that universe and so you'd assume that that would just be good but people didn't watch it and there was yeah. weird director choices and it just kind of <laughs> could have been something great that sort of fell flat as it went on yeah i don't get it at all it's, it's definitely a strange strange series in that sense Yep. So the last story on my news list, I saved the best for last. They cast Geralt for the Netflix show, and it turns out Henry Cable's playing the Witcher, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that awesome? (laughs) Yeah. um... (laughs) He's like perfect. That's like perfect casting. I mean, he's a huge After watching Mission Impossible. Yeah. Did you see Mission Impossible? I I did not see the new Mission Impossible. Oh, my God. Oh, you need to see that immediately. (laughs) He's so good in it. I mean, I definitely... I think he's a good actor. I think he's better than, like, the Superman movies or uh, Batman vs. <laughs> yeah. Superman give him credit for. Because I think he can uh, be good if he's given the right source material and they don't mess up the character. Um, but, yeah, I'm excited to see him in this. I didn't. I had no idea Netflix was even making a Witcher show. <laughs> uh, uh, until... So the synopsis of it is... Based on the best-selling fantasy series, The Witcher is an epic tale of fate and family. Geralt of Rivia, a solitary monster hunter, struggles to find his place in a world where people often prove more wicked than beasts. But when destiny hurdles him towards a powerful sorceress and a young princess with a dangerous secret, the three must learn to navigate the increasingly volatile continent together. So this sounds like it takes place before the games. Yeah, it sounds like it might be more based on the the novels i mean the games also had some elements from the novels but i don't think 
they were they followed like a specific storyline or anything. Yeah, but this is def like the princess is Siri for sure, and the powerful sorceress is one hundred percent Yen. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's definitely it, it'll probably lead right into the first game. Yeah, I mean that's totally possible. It's just I have this really fucking stupid knowledge of the witcher timeline (laughs) Uh, for no reason (laughs) occupying a big chunk of my brain i mean i i know a lot of people like the novels um i haven't read i think i only read one of them the first one isn't really a novel it's like a collection of short stories Uh but the second and third one are pretty day or pretty awesome the first one's not bad it's just like it's not really doesn't it's not like like a, a complete story okay yeah um but, I mean, I think it's a cool idea for a show. I think that it definitely has a lot of, like, clout at this point, since the Witcher games are pretty beloved by everybody who's played them. The Witcher 3 is pretty beloved. Yeah. Well, yeah, Witcher 3 <laughs> beloved more so than the other two. Because nobody fucking played one or two. <laughs> I, what, two. Two, at least, is one of those games that apparently everyone has, but, like, no one has played. Because I've I've asked people before, but I honestly I don't I think you're the only other person I've ever talked to who's played that game start to finish. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I I think Witcher Two was in a weird spot where it looked really good, and then people weren't familiar with like anything about it, and they had some weird like storytelling yeah. like pacing <laughs> issues, and people kind of dropped off pretty quickly, but. Um, I mean, everybody has played The Witcher 3. I mean, I, I don't think anyone's even beaten The Witcher 3 either, but everyone has played it at least. Um, <laughs> I beat it, finally, yeah, it, this it, year. <laughs> it's definitely worth beating, but I think it's... Geralt's definitely a really cool character that you can tell a bunch of stories about him without it like messing up the lore of the game or the mythology of you know this universe that's been built up. So, I, I mean, I totally think that this is a a good well of information to draw from to make a show i just don't know how good it's gonna be right but it's coming it's coming they're like deep into production on it and with that we have the end of segment one we'll be right back with our review of summer of 84 i am i don't know why i said i'm sorry guys All right, we're back from that quick musical break. I don't know why we did that originally. Thinking back on the show, I don't know why we made that decision to like have a music break in the middle. But you know what? It seems to be working out just fine for us. <laughs> we need a little anyways, bit of a natural break in the yeah. show. A little bit of division. And at the time, that just felt right. Yeah, it's kind of cool. <laughs> it's cool. It's cool. It's a cool thing we do. So this week we're reviewing Summer of 84. This was a movie that was like kind of on my radar, but then like every other YouTuber reviewed it and I saw it on my channel like 50 times. Mm-hmm. And then Danielle Million, super fan of our show, asked us to review it. So we decided to watch it this weekend and it's pretty good, kind of. Yeah, I, mean, I liked it. I don't it. know. I liked it. Uh, it's directed by Francois Simard. Anouk Whistle and Yon Carl Whistle. 
Uh, they made Turbo Kid, and I think they're probably French, but this movie's Canadian. And the plot is a young boy suspects that a cop who lives next door to him is in fact a suspected serial killer and convinces his friends to help look for proof. So, George, I'll just let you take it away from here. What do you think of this movie? Uh, I thought that it was well done. I liked it. I think that it's a pretty well-told coming-of-age story where you get to see all these kids hang out and do things that are very, like, 80s-inspired. And, I mean, the town feels very realistic and Midwestern in the fall, which I love. Great fall vibe to the whole movie. Yeah, it, it did have a great fall vibe because it's set in Oregon, which is cool. It's, it's, it's definitely an 80s movie. Yeah, I think it did a good attention to detail in terms of making everything look and feel with that 80s aesthetic and kind of fit in this timepiece of a movie. Um, I, I think that they could have done a better job with actually developing the main kids as characters. Yeah, dude, this is my big problem with the movie. It got hard to watch at at times because the kids, I don't know if it's it's that they're bad actors, but they have no chemistry, and it felt like they were just reading off the script at times. So I think Like the way the conversations flowed and stuff just didn't feel natural at all. I think my big issue with the kids was that, so it's like a group of four boys that hang out all the time and then the girl next door who um the main kid uh dale likes and davy uh, davy yeah davy davy likes and so she kind of joins the group sort of like two-thirds of the way through the movie and yeah, her name's nikki who the girl yeah okay and uh, just so everyone knows <laughs> in, the, in the audience and um but they do this weird decision where they kind of split the group in half. And so they have like two relationships going on where uh, it's like two of the kids are friends and then the other two kids are friends and then they're all friends as a group. But like they don't really go into explaining like why these two are closer and these two are closer and what they are other than just like this is the nerd kid and this is the goth kid and this is the goody two shoes and this is the fat kid i mean it's like they just it, they're all archetypes yeah i mean they, they take a stereotype painful. and they put them as one of the friends and then they don't do anything to really build them up at all they inject some family drama into it but it doesn't really have any weight because you don't know anything about the characters other than oh they have a pretty bad home life yeah a lot a lot of them have bad home lives. You know, like, you'd get it if it was just one of them is like, damn, my life at home sucks. But every one of these kids, like, their central conflict, it seems like, is that they have bad home lives. Like, and it's th- like... Literally three out of five have a bad home life. <laughs> right. <laughs> and there was something weird about uh, Davy's parents. They felt way too young to me. It, it was just weird. Like, they felt like he, he was talking to a babysitter at the any time they were on screen. But I will say that uh, the cop, Wayne Mackey, who's played by Rich Summer, he was great. I really liked his character. He reminded me of Sean Astin, like the way that his mannerisms are and how he talks and everything mm-hmm. in Stranger Things 2. Like he felt like that kind of character, like Bob, but he was a cop. So he's like he was a pretty good character. I liked him a lot. Yeah, I think he's probably the most uh, seasoned actor in the cast. He was in 
Mad Men for the entire run of the show. So, um, and he's been in a bunch of other things. He's been in a few other Netflix shows. He was in Glow, and he's in a couple other things. But I think he probably has the most acting experience out of anybody on the cast, and it kind of shows. I mean, he is really interesting to follow. Um, And he did do a good job as the cop. I think um, the mystery of, like, if he's the killer or not is played up well in some points because he's convincing as, like, he can't really be doing this because he's, like, a good guy. Just, like, look at him. He's a big nerd. Right. (laughs) And I think he plays He goes on a jog every night. Right. Who exercises? (laughs) Like, he plays that part of, like, the big nerd that, like, there's no way he could do this really well. But you know what was crazy about this movie? It felt it was a VOD movie. You can just rent it, and it was like three ninety nine or something. It's cheap, but the set design was incredible. It must have been so expensive to make this movie set wise because the houses all look like they're from the eighties. The decorations inside are pretty damn good, and the kid uh, Davy, his bedroom was awesome. He's like obsessed with conspiracy theories and you know UFOs and alien journals and stuff. And his whole wall is decorated with National Enquirer type. Uh, newspaper pages and it looks really cool it's a cool bedroom but dude i just i keep coming back to the dialogue it's just so it's not written well the movie is not well written and it's not well acted like it's very wooden a lot of the performances like when nikki is talking to davy she's like she comes in his room there's one point where she comes over late at night while his parents are at home and he's like i wasn't spying on you naked and she's like, oh, that sucks. I got a hot bod. Like, that felt that felt cool. But then she gets in his room and she's like, ever since I showed you that book of conspiracy theories, you were hooked on this stuff. And it's that's obviously an exaggeration, but that's, it's, that's how it feels. It's very wooden, I would say. And the nerdy kid, Curtis, and Tommy, the like, or Woody, the fat guy, they were like too cliche for me. The nerdy guy was just anything you expected him to say would come out of his mouth two seconds later. And same with uh, Woody. He's like, oh, stop making fun of my mom. She's an alcoholic. Well, that's why I'm fat. It's like, okay. But my name is Jimmy Champagne, and this has been episode 44 of Fear Frequency. 